0: Hi, this is Craig Hamlin for Journey in the Word Devotionals. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day. It's beautiful here in Georgia, just south of Atlanta. And uh, we're having some wonderful days of April. Just had a birthday not too long ago. And uh, I'm celebrating that, but also just absolutely loving the weather out here. And uh, I hope that wherever you are, it is uh, springtime and it's uh, doing well or whenever you're listening to this, I hope that you're having a great day and I hope God is truly blessing you and, and, uh, and God is, is enriching your life in so many different ways. Today, we're going to be listening to episode three in our series, Overcoming Discouragement. And we know that every one of us face discouragement. And so we're going to talk about how do we overcome that? Because it's something that God really does not want us to have to go through because He's equipped us with so much in order to help us work through this emotion that can oftentimes lead to depression and, uh, and can lead to you know just, just uh, major uh, life-altering decisions that are unhealthy. But God has given us the tools and the resources to overcome discouragement. That's what we're going to be talking about today. In this series, we're studying from the book of Nehemiah And really how this man dealt with the struggles of trying to help his native land in Jerusalem, uh, in Israel, rebuild the walls of the capital city after an invading nation had destroyed their temple and their city and the walls around them. Now, Nehemiah faced discouragement basically from the enormity of the task. I mean, they had a tremendous amount to do and everything was destroyed around them. But he also had discouragement from the remnant of people that were there who were really tired and ready to give up. And then in the surrounding cities, in the surrounding little small nations that Israel had dominated in years past, these people had delighted in the fact that a larger nation had come in and taken captive all of the people of Israel. And so the people who were in these surrounding little vassal nations were were coming out and discouraging them and just saying all kinds of things against them. They were taunting them in many ways. And they wanted nothing more than to see Israel's defeat, much like we see even in our world today. Today you may feel like everyone and everything is against you. Nothing is going right and nothing you do is leading to success. Discouragement is an all too common and familiar companion on the journey of life. Now, over the last two episodes in this series, we've looked at ways to overcome discouragement. And the first way was to bring God in on the situation. We're looking at Nehemiah chapter 4, and in Nehemiah 4, when Nehemiah and their workers were verbally attacked, Nehemiah began to pray rather than lash out in anger. Then we said, the second way is don't lose the right perspective and get sidetracked. After Nehemiah prayed, which is the most important thing that he could have done, he got his people back to work and let God deal with the enemies. That didn't mean that Nehemiah did nothing. No, he he inspired and, and, and his prayers and dependence upon God inspired the people to work and they kept doing what God had called them to do. You see, when we bring God in on the situation and we keep our right perspective that the mission is right in front of us and we've got to keep going, God gives us the strength and the power to overcome those moments of discouragement. But here's the thing. No matter what you do, you will always have detractors and you'll have discouragers. Disappointments will come even when you think you have life by the tail. Former heavyweight boxer James Quick Tillis, is a cowboy from Oklahoma who fought out of Chicago in the early 1980s. He still remembers his first day in the Windy City after his arrival from Tulsa. He said, I got off the bus with two cardboard suitcases under my arms in downtown Chicago and stopped in front of the Sears Tower. I put my suitcases down and I looked up at the tower and I said to myself, I'm going to conquer Chicago. When I looked down, the suitcases were gone. <laughs> Man, when I read that story, I thought, "Wow, that's that's how it is. You you uh, you 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 ready to conquer the world, only to realize that it doesn't take much to lose it all." Listen, guys, if this, you know, we know that discouragement will come, but it's how you handle those moments that God will use to move you from discouragement to being encouraged in His strength today. We want to look at the third way God gives us to overcome discouragement. And that is, prepare yourself for future attacks. Knowing that your preparation will give you direction. Nehemiah chapter 4, 7 through 9. We read these words after the people had really gone back to work. And they were really working hard and getting a lot done. Verse 7 says, But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. So what did Nehemiah do? Verse 9. And we prayed. There it is again. And we prayed to our God. And set a guard as a protection against them day and night. There are two things that you can always count on from your enemy. And that enemy is Satan himself. Sometimes our flesh certainly gets in the way and can be influenced by the enemy. But you can count on this. Satan is always going to be angry about your determination to move forward for Christ. Isn't that what we see in verse 7? that Samballa and Tobiah, these two guys who were from the surrounding areas, uh, probably contracted in some ways or just really ticked off the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites. All of these little vassal nations had their representatives out there, and they were just railing on the people who were building these walls. And they were saying, you know, nothing good is going to happen here, and it's all going to fall apart, and you guys are are doing something that is wrong and, and is and is, uh, uh, is useless. You're wasting your energy. But when they saw the progress that the people were making, the determination that they had, what was their, what was their reaction? Did they give them an applause? Did they, did they say, wow, that's great. Can you show me how to lay those bricks? <laughs> no, we, we sometimes think that our determination and our confidence will win people over, but sometimes it just pushes people away. You see, that's what the enemy is all about. When the enemy sees the joy of the Lord coming through your life, when the enemy sees you depending on God rather than looking at your circumstances and wallowing in pity, the enemy is angry about that. You see, Satan has no room for compassion. He has no room for mercy. He has no room for change in and of himself. He is a a condemned foe, and he wants to bring everybody down that he possibly can. Listen, guys, don't let Satan bring you down. Satan's going to be angry about your determination to move forward for Christ, but you keep moving because those around you who, who may be in the same camp with Satan, they're not bound completely by him because the power of the gospel is able to bring them out of the, of the the grip of Satan, because that's exactly what the power of Jesus is. So when they begin to see your joy, when they begin to see your determination, sure, some people might get angry. Some might some people might turn against you. But I guarantee you, there's going to be some people in and around your life that is going to look at that and they're going to go, man, I really would like to have that kind of determination in the face of 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 an attack, of of persecution. Let me tell you something else that you can count on from the enemy. Not only is Satan angry about your determination to move forward for Christ, but Satan is always going to be plotting to create confusion through anyone that he can use in your life. In verse 8 of chapter 4, we read this, and they all, all right, not just one of them, not just Tobiah or not just Samballot, but all of them, plotted together, that is, they were scheming, they were trying to figure it out, they plotted together to come and and fight against Jerusalem, and how are they going to fight? And to cause confusion in the city. You see, that's what the Bible tells us about Satan, our enemy, that he is the author of confusion. We see this in church life, we see this among brothers and sisters in the Lord, we see this in disunity in the churches. We see this in, in disunity and disruption in families. Any way that the enemy can create confusion, a misunderstanding of God's word, a misunderstanding in relationships, a misunderstanding with God because because we're confused about how God is working in our life. And so the enemy wants to confuse our mind. He wants to confuse our our thinking so that we don't see God for who he is and we don't exhibit love within a relationship, rather we begin to retaliate for things that might just be a total misunderstanding, or maybe it was intentional. Maybe it was designed to hurt you. But you can approach this situation with love and forgiveness rather than bitterness. That's where confusion comes from. See, future attacks will always, are always imminent, with an enemy bent on your discouragement and derailment in the progress of God's kingdom agenda. But let me tell you something. There's one thing that you can count on from God. And this is all you really need. When God's people pray, God shows you how to stand strong in the midst of the battle. You see in verse 9 in the text, he says, And we prayed to our God. And what was the result of prayer? God moved upon their hearts what to do. Gave them wisdom. Gave them insight. Set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Listen, in our homes, in our churches, in our nation, we live in a free nation. We we have we have the freedom to come and go in our homes or the freedom to come and go in our churches. At this present time, we don't need to set guards in and around, you know, our homes and in and around our 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 churches and and all of that, and we know we have armies and various things to help protect us, but we move around freely. It was so different from this. But let me tell you something. What prayer does, prayer sets the guard of God's spirit all around us. It's it's like God when we begin to pray, He, he sends His holy angels out and surrounds us. And the darts of the enemy might come in and might try to, 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 uh, to shoot those fiery darts at us, but they cannot reach us because prayer has been put out and God's guard is sitting out there. You see, when, when, when that begins to happen and the enemy wants to bring division into your home or bring perversion into your home or perversion into your mind or any number of those things, We have that protection all around us through godly thinking, through wisdom and discernment, through the will to be able to say no to one thing that might be harm to our family or yes to things that might be healthy. We know how to deal with that. What am I saying? The people of Israel here with Nehemiah, they had to go on the offensive and you do as well. Going on the offensive for this group meant they prayed and set out to work smart. The greatest offensive weapon that we have is prayer in God's Word. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 when he's talking about spiritual warfare. He says, And the sword of the Spirit is, our, uh, is the Word of God that we have. And we, we put on all of the armor of God with prayer. Billy Graham once said that the Christian life is not a constant high. He said, I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me. Or, Oh God, help me. We need to see that those moments of discouragement are not sent by God or intended by God to cause us further ruin. Satan is about attacking our joy in the Lord so he can derail us away from our trust in Christ. When those attacks are successful, we lose our passion, our drive, and our motivation to continue to work and to do the work of God in us and through us. But as John Ortberg reminds us, he said, God is never a God of discouragement. When you have a discouraging spirit, a train of thought in your mind, you can be sure it is not from God. He sometimes brings pain to his children, conviction over sin, or repentance over fallenness, or challenges that scare us, or visions of his holiness that overwhelm us. But God never brings discouragement. When the attacks come to discourage you, do what Billy Graham said, go to God in prayer. He will help. Nehemiah did this, set a guard out night and day. That's the Holy Spirit. When you pray, you bring God into the situation, the unseen, the unseen, but undeniable power of God. Well, that is episode three of Overcoming Discouragement on Journey in the Word Devotionals. I hope that you'll subscribe, follow, and like our podcast wherever you're listening. See you back here next time for episode four of Overcoming Discouragement.